Hey there, humanoids. This is David Shoemaker here with a very exciting announcement. Your favorite wrestling podcast feed, The Ringer Wrestling Show, is now going daily. And you can hang out with me and Kaz on Mondays and Thursdays for The Masked Man Show. And you can join me, Peter Rosenberg, alongside stack guy Greg and Dip every Tuesday with Cheap Heat. And on Fridays, I'll welcome a friend or special guest from the world of wrestling. And on Wednesdays, we have a very special new show called Wednesday Worldwide that you're going to want to check out. Pay-per-view reaction, one-of-a-kind interviews, fantasy booking, talking about bagels. That's what we do here on the Ringer Wrestling Show. Follow the show now on Spotify and do us a favor. Give us five stars. And do us another favor and uh, stay mage. It's the Ringer's Philly special presented by FanDuel. April showers bring a loaded sports calendar and FanDuel is the place to bet on it all. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special and to those of you watching on FanDuel TV, welcome. Sheil Kapadia here. Just got back from Eagles, Browns, joint practices, two sessions down at the Novacare Complex in South Philly. A spirited two days and the, the man joining me today was on the sideline with me taking in all the action. He's a return guest. The fans love him. The listeners love him. E.J. Smith of the Inquirer. You, ha- you haven't said no yet. You haven't turned me down for one of these yet. That's got to be coming with, with as many times as I've, I've asked you. That's not going to happen. No, nah, I'm always excited that you, <laughs> you invite me on. Every time you invite me on, it's like, all right, I must be, I must have done pretty good the last time, you know? So, no, nah, always uh, always honored to hop on with you, Sheila. I appreciate the invite. Well, it was a, it was a fun two days. I, I like the joint practices. It's a highlight of the summer. They get after it. You say, all right, how do they look against a different team? It's actually the ones playing 
So it's not like a preseason game. So here's what EJ and I are going to do. We're just going to go back and forth with takeaways. I don't know what his takeaways are. He doesn't know what my takeaways are. They could be big picture stuff. They could be one specific play that stood out. They could be a player, a long-term thing, uh, whatever. And we'll go back and forth basically until we're out of ideas uh, or until uh, EJ is going to go and watch Lionel Messi and I'm <laughs> going to go watch the Phillies uh, game tonight. I'll have Messi on another, another screen uh, as well. We'd like to see what he does against the Union. All right. Big takeaway, EJ. I'll, I'll get us started here. Eagles were a different team in the second practice compared to the first practice. I mean, that was really the story of the day. So, you know, day one was on Monday and the Browns were getting after the Eagles. I mean, Eagles offensively, they couldn't do anything. They were kind of scrambling. Now, Browns defensive line, I thought, really dominated. Jalen Hurts was running for his life as much as you can run for your life in a practice where the quarterback can't get hit. But, you know, there were whistled sacks. Um, he was running out of the pocket, even some of his completions. It was like, well, would that have really been a uh, completion in a real game? Uh, the Browns had a lot of juice, a lot of energy on their sideline day one. And then, you know, we, we heard from players and coaches today that there was a little talking to. I don't know if it was anything that dramatic, but the coaches were basically like, uh, you got to bring more energy in day two. Like that was not up to our standard the way we practiced on day one, and it was just a completely different story on day two. Eagles absolutely got the better of the Browns uh, on day two. We'll get into some of the specific plays and some of the specific periods and what we saw. But EJ, I just thought from a big picture perspective, and I, and I want your take on this, this was pretty interesting because I remember we had Tim McManus on last week and I was asking him about how Nick Sirianni started training camp and it was like you guys were all out there and like the first thing he's just getting after all the players and it was like all right yeah. he's setting the tone that we're not going to be complacent after getting to the Super Bowl last year and you know Tim was like yeah that was absolutely intentional to set the tone and now you get in kind of your first you know team period uh, preseason games aside team period of the summer and the first day of that I think it's absolutely fair to say uh, they were complacent and then they bounced back. So just kind of zooming out, how do you take day one, day two, and sort of uh, how they were different and Sirianni's messaging and all that? Yeah, to your point, like, I think that there, this is probably going to be a theme throughout the entire season. Like, you know, uh, J Jalen Hurts has talked about, oh, we're trying to find our identity. I think the identity of this team might be fighting that complacency. You know, when you have a season like they did last year where everything goes right for you, um, you know, you're, you're beating teams by 20 plus points at halftime most of the year. I think that there is an inherent, you know, it's human nature to kind of like ease up a little bit and think, um, you know, things are going to keep coming that easy. And I think that it's also like daunting, you know, like I think that, you know, as much as these guys want to talk about, oh, we're, we're not focused on the Super Bowl. You know, we're in the moment. It's impossible not to be right. Like it hangs over every single time, you know, like every single time you go on the field, you're going to be like thinking about, you know, how far you have to go to get back there. You know, Jalen Hurts is, has the iPhone lock screen of him at the Super Bowl. You can't tell me he's not thinking about that. Now, you might be able to use it as motivation and compartmentalize. But I do. I think that like it was a good encapsulation of like what the season might look like for them. Kind of kind of push the push pull of you know, well, this Browns team wasn't that good last year. You know, we, we should be able to kind of just roll them. And the Browns, you know, I want to get to this later. Like, they're the type of team that, like, is going to try and beat you up the way the Eagles are also that type of team. You know, there's a lot of similarities between those two. It's kind of obvious because they've got the front for the front office connections and, you know, some coaches uh, that, you know, are kind of have, are familiar with both sides. You know, Jim Schwartz being the obvious one. They kind of, like, 
our team's kind of built in the same image, you know, tough, uh, tough, up, tough, tough up front on both sides, you know, kind of quarterback centric as well. And, you know, like I do, I think that uh, there was like a, a definitely a difference in intensity uh, today. Um, like you mentioned, like the coaching staff kind of talked about it. The players kind of talked about it. Um, you know, my first takeaway, you know, uh, here was actually kind of piggybacking off of that was like, you know, Sidney Brown, that was a smart move by him. You know, the coaches say the intensity was lacking, you know, uh, you you guys got to go out there with some juice. Uh, a couple plays into practice, uh, Zach Cunningham tips a pass up in the air. Reed Blankenship picks it off, and Sidney Brown's head hunting. He's like, I'm going to find somebody to lay a lick on. And he laid out – who's it? Demetric – it's not Demetric Felton. I got his name right here in my notes. Or it is Demetric Felton. Um, okay. He lays him out on, uh, like, you know, on the interception return. And, like, I got to give Sidney Brown some credit because that – he did that right in front of the Brown sideline. And that is one of those things, like, that's not for the faint of heart. You know, you do that, and all of a sudden there's 15 Cleveland Browns players swarming around you. Um, you know, we could talk more about City Brown later, but, yeah, to your point, I think that that's that was a smart move by the rookie, you know, kind of taking the coaching there. <laughs> yeah, I want to I want to know more uh, about that play just to close the loop on the first day. It's, it's what you said. I mean, I remember, I don't know if it was A.J. Brown or whoever after the Super Bowl, like, Part of what stings so much for these guys when their season ends, whether it's the Super Bowl or divisional round or even the wild card round uh, in a season where they think they have a shot, like you'll hear them say one of the thoughts that pops into their head literally as they're getting dressed after their season ends, after a loss like that, they're just like, we have to do this whole thing over again just to get to this, this point. And like, you can just see the wheel spinning, like they're picturing a practice like this week or maybe even something in the spring or maybe even week four where you're double digit, uh, you know, you're double digit favorites against a team that is really going to have no chance um, against you. And it's just like all the cliches about being process oriented and one day at a time. Like that's why coaches hammer at home so much because it is easy to just be like, man, we're loaded. We should win the NFC East. We should be in the playoffs, and then we can start taking things uh, seriously then. But obviously, if you, if that's the way you approach it, you're not going to be uh, a good enough team. So yeah, I thought this was actually an example of that, where I'm sure, I mean, if you're just like a veteran who's been around, if you're Lane, not to say that these were the guys who were complacent, yeah. but if you're like Lane Johnson or Jason Kelsey or Brandon Graham or AJ Brown, and you're just like, you've done this over and over and over again for your career. And you're like, I want to get back to the Super Bowl, but do I want to treat this Monday in August against the Browns like it's the Super Bowl? <laughs> Not really. You know? yeah. So, um, and it's two, you're, you're right about the styles of the two teams. It's also two teams in very different places. Like, you know, the Eagles say they're very hungry. The Browns are like, they're going to be like a desperate team this year yeah. for better or worse. Like it could, there are jobs on the line, you know, like that's going to be a different franchise if they don't make the playoffs this year. So that was kind of an interesting dichotomy this week as well. All right. I wasn't on the field with the Sydney Brown hit. So uh, it sounds like that was your first takeaway. Give me more details on that. Like how big uh, was the hit? Was it clean? Was it dirty? I know he was asked about it uh, afterwards. What happened after he laid the guy out? Were other Eagles like, yeah, I'm, I'm coming into this, um, getting in the mix. How long yeah. did it last? When did it get broken up? Because this is something I missed completely. All right. So, you know, to set the scene, it's, you know, team drills, Brown's first team offense against Eagles first team offense. It's probably the second team drill of the of the day because Sidney Brown kind of he's not the first uh, safety out in the first team. He's the second one usually after Justin Evans. Um, and again, it was like, you know, they're kind of doing like red zone drills. And um, it was really like deja vu. Like when it happened, I was like, 
wait a minute, am I just back here on Monday or all over again? Because Zach Cunningham gets his hand on a pass, balls up in the air, Reed Blankenship picks it off, and, you know, he's going on his return, and everybody's kind of just going through the motions. And Sidney Brown, again, near the Brown sideline, like, just lays out Demetric Felton. And it was not like a, you know, it was a, it was like a legitimate hard hit. Not was it clean? I don't I don't know. I mean, if you do that in a game, I could see a ref being like, uh, that was a little bit, that was pushing pushing the envelope. Uh, now, listen, there are refs at practice and there wasn't a flag thrown for that. Um, so I guess, you know, that that's probably Sidney Brown's argument. But even when we asked him if it was clean, he kind of said like, I'm going to have to look at the tape on that one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's the kind of, I think that's the kind of player that Sidney Brown is. You know, he's kind of always on the edge, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, could get him in trouble at times, but also like the type of player I think fans are really going to enjoy um, just because he's an effort guy and he kind of, he does bring it. Um, and honestly, like I got to give him credit because I think that that did kind of set the tone for the rest of that period. Um, so like, you know, to kind of walk through the rest of the play, there were this kind of some pushing and shoving and then the whole sideline congregates around Sidney Brown. And, you know, I, a couple of Eagles uh, defensive players are kind of swarming in there. The one that was most notable to me and the most obvious was Derek Barnett. Came to Sydney Brown's, uh, Sydney Brown's the defense. I mean, it's, he's like a stay ready all star, right? Like, you know, he's always ready to, to mix it up. But again, that really did kind of set the tone for the rest of the practice, at least on the, I, I, I watched defense primarily today. And that was the tone for the rest of that practice with the Eagles defense. I mean, it was just, I tweeted it. It was like physical, it was salty, it was through the whistle. Like, you know, Nick Chubb, uh, a couple plays later actually popped Sydney Brown. You know, like the running backs kind of go through the motions. Uh, kind of like pretending they break six or seven tackles. And I, I joked earlier, like Nick Chubb is the one running back that like when he's like on tackle number seven and he kind of hit, hits him with a move, I'm like, yeah, he could he might have gotten free for that one too. You know, I'll give it to him. Um, but yeah, he kind of pops Sidney Brown at the end of that play. And I'm saying like these guys, you know, they, they're taking it, you know, they're all taking it pretty serious. It was an intense session. Um, there were a couple more shoving matches throughout the, the, the sessions with mostly Derek Barnett being the main culprit. I think, um, you know, I told a couple of Browns reporters like, yeah, ninety six is about to is about to do something here. Like it's it's kind of boiling over. Um, you know, at one point Kevin Stefanski was trying to play peacemaker. He was like in with all of the Eagles players, kind of just like saying something. I'm I'm like I don't think I've ever seen like an opposing coach kind of like literally surrounded by the other team's players, like trying to you know say Jeff something. Van Gundy, so, yeah, yeah, right. So <laughs> you know he was um you know it was definitely like again really really chippy on the edge type of practice for those, for those two units. But again, I think that that kind of embodies like, at least that's like, to me, that's, that's what the Browns have been, you know, like they kind of want to beat you up. You know, they've got a good offensive front. They've got Nick Chubb and like, I, they didn't, they didn't want to back down from that challenge. And I think, you know, as we're trying to learn, the reason I was watching the defense is because I want to learn about this defense and figure out what the personality is. And, you know, uh, Sean Desai said he wants the, the defense to be palpable, right? He wants them to, you want, he wants you to feel them and their physicality. And I think that Sidney Brown is like tailor made for that. You know, we talked to him after practice and he said, I want to be a feared player. You know, I want, I want other teams to feel me. I want them to be afraid of me out there. And it was funny. Cause like, I asked him like, you know, where does that come from? You know, is that somebody, you know, is there a player that you looked up to the obvious one's Troy Palomalu, right? You know, like right. that's who he's been compared to. And, you know, he's kind of got the, the hair and everything. So, uh, and he was kind of like, nah, I didn't really watch a lot of football growing up, but it's just kind of that mentality. I almost wonder, you know, as a Canadian, like if it's a little bit of like hockey spirit, kind of like you want your presence felt on the ice that way. Um, but yeah, no, definitely, uh, you know, Sydney, it's kind of been, uh, Sydney Brown's kind of been having a moment since the preseason game. You know, he had a lot of tackles in the preseason game and, you know, kind of got, he's been getting first team reps. 
Um, you know, maybe, I, you know, I don't want to spoil my next point too much, but, you know, I really do. I think that the, the Eagles have found two young safeties that I think make sense together, you know, that fit well together. So, Yeah, he, he really has sort of that attitude and demeanor that you feel like they have a lot of good players on defense, but I don't know that they have someone with that mentality. Like it is yeah. separating. And listen, that can go either way. I was joking with uh, someone as I was walking out, like that goes wrong. And this was before your time, EJ, but the Eagles had a linebacker named Ernie Sims. And there was uh, there was practices at Lehigh where this guy, I mean, he would cross the line. Like poor Brent Selleck during these practices, who was an established vet at the time, Ernie Sims was just laying him out after the whistle and you're like, all right, if that, I remember Sean McDermott was the defensive coordinator then. And it's kind of, and, and Sean McDermott would go, Ernie's a shark in the water, you know, like, <laughs> like you know, yeah. how defensive coaches are like, I like that, but he couldn't play. And then like, yeah. you know, you do that in training camp and you're like, all right, let's see how this goes. And the game start and he's overrunning everything and he's getting exposed. And it's like, all right, well, that was for nothing. So there is kind of that fine line. And Sidney Brown yeah. plays like that. You start in the preseason game, like he is flying downhill. There is no second guessing to his game. He sees it. He goes, he attacks. And when that works, that's a really fun type of player. When it doesn't work, you're saying, oh my gosh, this guy's out of control, specifically at safety. You know, this guy's giving up big plays. Uh, he's out of control there. So uh, he's a very intriguing player to watch, yeah. not only for the rest of the summer, but early in the season, obviously a position of need. Uh, and a player, like you said, I think fans could really gravitate towards um, if he does end up hitting there. So uh, let's take a little break to those watching on FanDuel TV. Remember, you can catch the Ringers Philly special on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. To those of listening to us right now, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. I mean, you know what the team I kind of like with that one right now um, might change my mind, but the how about the Cincinnati Bengals? They're my pick right now uh, as of this time in August to win the Super Bowl. I think they're going to win a lot of games. I think this could be their year. They've got all the pieces on offense and I trust their coaching defensively. So here's what you can do. You can pick the Bengals or somebody else. So visit FanDuel.com slash RingerPhilly and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash RingerPhilly. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit TheRinger.com slash RG. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max bonus $50 unless specified otherwise. Restrictions apply. See terms at Sportsbook.FanDuel.com. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXTSTEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 
Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we are back on the Ringers Philly special. All right, my next one, EJ, is Jalen Hurts looks incredible to me, uh, <laughs> like passing the football. I mean, I've, I've been to four practices. I was at the two uh, this week, and I'm just like, I'm wondering, like, you know, you, I've been spending so much time going, all right, where's this team going to regress? That's generally, you know, when you make the Super Bowl, a lot of things go your way. Injuries, turn, we, we know all the things uh, we've talked about and we'll continue to talk about. But he just had some plays. Like, even in the first practice where I said the Browns defense got the better of the Eagles offense, like, Hurts had a couple throws where he's rolling to his right. And in a real game, maybe it's a sack, but they didn't blow the whistle. And he's just firing the ball downfield to Devontae Smith while rolling to his right where Devontae Smith is at the sideline on a scramble drill, kind of toe-tapping. And the ball just lands right in his hands for a beautiful uh, completion. And just his his accuracy here the last two days has been so impressive. I mean, he had a scramble drill today where he's pointing to A.J. Brown on the right side in kind of the corner of the end zone and just chucks it up for a jump ball. But again, it's in a place where only A.J. Brown can catch it. Like, I think in two days, I only saw one pass that I would say was off target. Uh, Devontae Smith had kind of a go ball down the right sideline on Monday that I thought hurt kind of under through. And I can't remember if it ended up being an interception or an incompletion, but... uh, it just feel like feels like he's taking a step up in that regard. And I was looking at his numbers. Year one, he only starts four games, and he completes 52% of his passes. Year two, his first year as a full-time starter, he completes 61% of his passes. Year three, uh, he's second in MVP voting, he completes 66.5% of his passes. Like, think of the leap in those numbers. And I was just like, man, if I was doing, if we're doing like a bold predictions episode... Like, could Jalen Hurts lead the NFL in completion percentage? I mean, last year, the leader was Geno Smith at 69.8%, and Jalen Hurts was 66.5% last year, and he's 25 years old. You know, he's throwing a slant to A.J. Brown uh, in the red zone. He finds Devontae Smith on a touchdown on an RPO. Uh, I'm just really impressed with what he's looked like in the sessions I've gone to. As someone who's been to every practice, uh, sometimes it's boring because you're just like, you know, I I know, especially when you're on the beat, you're looking for all different kinds of stories, but this is just the big picture. Like, how has Jalen Hurts looked to you? Does he look any different than he's looked um, in previous camps or even last season? He looks much different than previous camps, in my opinion. Like, what you're saying, I I completely agree with. This is why 
this is why you're you, Shield, because like you can only go to four practices and you just you get your finger on the pulse. You know, hats Listen, off to you for that. that yeah, that's the national reporter move. Back at, back yeah. in the day, it was hilarious. Guys would just come in for one day and then they would write a whole column about some. Uh, the, the famous one is uh, Ifanye Moma for those yeah. longtime listeners. You'll remember that that he was going to be some kind of star because someone came in and popped in for a day. So I always try to be a little hesitant when I do that, but that's why I could throw yeah. the question your way. If you if you came in on the right day, you like a couple years ago, you would think J.J. Ortega-Whiteside was going to be like, you know, the next yeah. uh, Calvin Johnson or something. <laughs> like, you know, Yeah, right. <laughs> he, had, he had a couple days there. Um, but no, I, I think you're hitting it right on the head. Like, you know, Jalen has – I didn't think he was a particularly good practice player in his first few years. Like, you know, and I had to keep in mind, like, so much of his game is the out of, you know, out, like out of structure, you know, off schedule stuff. This year he's been like – surgical you know like I'm, I don't want to you know throw around like hyperbolic words but like you know I think he has looked like an MVP candidate you know which again like he usually looks like that in the game but in the pra- in practice sessions you know sometimes it loses some of that I think where he's at now you know so much of his game does translate to these settings where you know he's so much more you know polished in the pocket he's such he's so advanced as a processor and I think like you know he talked early in camp about like the quote-unquote new chemistry he wants to build uh, with AJ Brown. And it's like, you guys were really good last year. I don't really know if there's another step there, but honestly, like you mentioned that fade route today, like that was like, you know, it's an unguardable play, you know, 40, it's like a 30 yard completion in the, in the back of the end zone. And there's nothing you can do about it. You know? And like, you know, that's the type of thing I think that they have really worked on is like some of these back shoulder throws, some of these like really well-placed fade routes. It's like, you can't touch it, you know, like there's literally nothing you can do. Uh, and I've seen that throughout camp, you know, to the point where them struggling against the Browns, you know, Jalen, uh, after practice kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know the word, I don't know, well, you know, the word for it, but like, he was kind of like, listen, it's kind of tricky when the standard's so high, cause you played so well that, you know, you have one bad day and everybody kind of thinks that it's a big deal. And, you know, like, I do think, you know, we take these practices for what they are, you know, we kind of, um, you know, they struggled the first day. It's fair to point that out, but at the same yeah. time, like, He's right. He had had like four or five days where he had been really, really sharp. He had one practice where it was a little off. And, you know, I don't think anybody was sounding alarm bells or anything like that. But, you know, he really has been. The, he's gotten to a point where that practice he had yesterday was a little bit surprising because of, you know, how sharp they've been. I mean, you know, especially like I think the Browns, defense, like you said, the Browns defensive front kind of wrecked the, wrecked the practice yesterday. Miles um, Garrett didn't practice today, which might have been <laughs> a big reason why things were, you know, were a little bit Good easier point. to. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like there are just plays every practice where it's like it didn't matter what they call what the defense called. It didn't matter what kind of guys they had out there like Jalen Hurts to A.J. Brown or Jalen Hurts to Devontae Smith or Jalen Hurts rolling out and finding Dallas Goddard. It's on. It can it is unguardable when they're at their best. And, you know, that's why I think, you know, this offense is going to be, you know, one of the best offenses again in the league is because, you know, to see Jalen Hurts not only come into camp, even if he didn't have a solid camp, I'd be like, well, what he showed us in games is enough us to think he's going to be that you know be the guy he was last year he's been better you know he has been he has really picked up where he left off so no I mean I like I said you hit it right on the head I mean just like the processing uh the accuracy and just again like developing these like go-tos with uh with the receivers you know especially AJ Brown where it's like you know what if it's a third and ten and I gotta have it I can put it in a place where nobody else can get it to AJ Brown you know like last year I felt like it was the AJ Brown slant route you know they just spam that third and four, third and five, 
AJ Brown slant route. We, we know it's going to work. It works every time. It's almost like that you know what's coming and it doesn't matter because you can't guard it. Now, like, I think they're adding this fade route to it. And I think, again, like, they really are. The, the, they've, they've had some back shoulder throws this, this camp where it's like, man, I feel bad for James Bradbury. Like, you know, it's like you did everything right and you just gave up a 25-yard completion. So, yeah, I think that you're absolutely right. Like, the, the way Jalen has looked has been really impressive, especially because, again, I, I didn't think he was necessarily the type of guy that, you know, you had to measure his performance in practice. You know, again, he wasn't always that guy for me. Exactly. If, if Hertz had a terrible training camp, I'd be telling everyone to calm down. Like, did you not yeah. watch the, him on the field when the games mattered last year? And so now you have that, but he also looks, you know, sharper than he ever has in practice. It makes kind of the possibilities exciting uh, if you're an Eagles fan for this season. And you're, you're so right. Those back shoulder throws like that really wasn't a big part of what they yeah. did. But even the preseason game, I mean, Tanner McKee, I, I joked Aaron Rodgers and Tanner McKee, the two best back shoulder uh, passers uh, in NFL history. <laughs> so uh, so that seems to be something they're adding to their uh, arsenal. We saw it with Jalen Hurts today. And you're right. I mean, I, I remember when I was in Seattle, just, you know, like asking Richard Sherman and there it's just like that it that truly is an unguardable uh play if if you have it in your arsenal it requires timing and chemistry between the quarterback and the receiver but if you have it there's literally nothing the corner like corners that's the one thing they'll admit like there's nothing we can do uh on that play if the quarterback and receiver have that so that's something yeah. to certainly keep an eye on before you get to your point like I haven't been to a lot of Jalen Hurts press conferences probably a handful last yeah. year this year, uh, like, you know, I, I sat in on it today. I just kind of, I didn't have any questions for him, but just wanted to hear what he said. And I, I don't even know how to describe it. Like he's obviously wired differently. He's a very serious guy. Are there any topics you feel like he enjoys, like he wants to expand on? Like, Hey, if I ask him about this, I know he's going to give me, uh, you know, at least answer it or we'll enjoy answering it. Uh, he's not shy to just, he's not afraid to just give like a one word or just interrupt a question and basically be like, I don't want to, you know, talk about that. anymore. what did he say at the end when he was walking off the pod podium? He said, he said uh, something like, he said something like y'all weren't too excited to talk to me today or something. Cause <laughs> you know, let me, let me pull everybody behind the curtain here a little bit. Yeah. Um, when like there's a certain like flow that certain that most press conferences take on when you have a podium interview, you know, like there's a, a rhythm to it and you can kind of get like a feel for when guys are going to stop talking. And, you know, as you know, she like you have to time that, you know, you have to yeah. you really can you got to be able to read the guy and be able to say, OK, he's just about to stop and I can shout as loud as I can. And you don't want to interrupt. The la yeah. worst thing you can do is interrupt. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. but when sometimes when you're in a press conference and there's a couple of like short, like abnormally short answers, I feel like there's pregnant pauses. Cause it's like, well, is that all you have to say about that? And, you know, we had a couple of those and, um, you know, after two or three of those, now all of a sudden everybody's like, is it over? Like, are we done? And I think we, we had gotten a couple of those and, you know, it kind of felt like it just, you know, there wasn't a ton to ask Jalen, you know, just because he didn't play in the game. We know he's not going to play on Thursday. Uh, or at least we assume he's not going to play on Thursday. Um, you know, so we talked to him about the joint practices and, you know, a couple short answers and all of a sudden everybody's kind of looking around like somebody come up with something. Otherwise this guy's about to leave. And I think he didn't, I think he took exception to that. Honestly, I think he was a little unhappy about that, but you know, I always say like, not only does Jalen come from the Alabama school of say absolutely nothing on the podium. He also like is the type of personality that like he, I think he views these podium interviews as like, 
you know, the challenge, the same way that he views like, you know, reading a, a defense or, you know, like calling it, you know, calling a play in a huddle. Like, I think he's just trying to get from point A to point B as efficiently as he possibly can um, without saying anything. Uh, you know, he, he definitely like aspires to be Nick Saban in that. So yeah, Jalen Hurts is like podium interviews can sometimes take on that sort of awkward, like, uh, is that really all, all you got on that? Like, you know, uh, some, I think it was Seamus asked him like which Jordans he was most excited to break out this year. You know, I thought he'd love talking about that. And he was just kind of like, yeah, I'll see what they send me. You guys will have fun with that. It's like, (laughs) all right, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, it's just how, it's just how he is, you know, he's how he's wired. Like, uh, you know, his dad is really similar to like his dad doesn't really, you know, laugh and joke a lot with people he doesn't know. And I think that's where he gets it from. It's just very, I mean, it's what, it's what you've always heard about him. Very stoic, you know, very uh, serious. So. Yeah. Rhythm. That that's a great word. I don't know that I've been at a press conference that had less rhythm <laughs> than that one. It was just like, what's that? And, and also he's um, a little bit of a low talker. So like I was yeah. up there pretty close and I couldn't hear uh, everything that he was saying, you're right. Yeah. I thought some of the, you know, he, he signed the deal with the Jordan brand. And so he got some questions uh, about that. I thought, all right, maybe this will be something he'll expand on a little bit. And, no. and he's not like <laughs> rude. He's not really being a jerk about it. He, right. He's just, you know, can be very succinct. And d- if he doesn't need to expand, he's not going to expand. If it's not something he really wants to talk about, he doesn't talk about it. So it was just, I was just wondering, I was even asking somebody else as we were walking away, like, are there, you know, specific topics? Because usually a lot of times when there's a coach or a player like that, once you get to know him and he's been, you know, he's been around, you guys have had a lot of press conferences with him. You can think like, all right, he's not in the mood to talk about a lot today but I'll throw him something in this area that'll warm him up a little bit. And then maybe we get to some other stuff, but it feels like, you know, I, I don't know that that code has been cracked with him where there's that there's, specific area. There's like what there's, you can ask him about Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey. Uh, that's, or like Brandon Graham. If you ask him about one of those guys, he'll get going, but that's about it. Okay. <laughs> okay. That, that's about it. So yeah. yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll have to come down for more or see if I can, you know, help crack the code or just observe this all season <laughs> long, th- throw some questions that he doesn't want to answer. He's like, who's this guy just shows yeah. up once in a while and asks me these <laughs> stupid questions. So uh, I just wanted to ask you about that. All right. Give me uh, another one of your takeaways from the last two days. What do you got? Yeah. So, you know, we're like, I feel like we're almost at the 30 minute mark here and we haven't hit on Reed Blankenship. Like we yeah. got to talk Reed Blankenship next here. on my list. 100%. Yeah. I mean, like I said it earlier and I, I think I'm just, you know, I I've listened to enough podcasts and I've done enough podcasts where I know that the, the takes sell. So I, I'm going to throw a take at you. Um, <laughs> okay. I like if it. Reed Learning Blankenship, if Reed Blankenship had the draft pedigree that Sidney Brown had, people would be talking about him. Like he was like a perennial pro bowl, you know, type of like, he would be like, people would be talking about him as like one of the young ascending safeties in the league. I feel like at this point, mm. like, but just based off the way that camp has gone for him, not only this year, but like stepping into, you know, starting duty last year, I really do. Like, I think that watching him this summer, it's fair to be really bullish on him. Like, I think the Eagles have found, uh, you know, just a competent starting safety, you know, maybe better like for the next, what is, whatever it may be, you know, five, seven, eight years. Like, I mean, he's got that CJ Gardner Johnson, like trait of like right time, right place. But when you're there enough, it's like, okay, like you're around the ball a lot. I mean, he picked off Deshaun Watson three times in two practices. And like, 
you know, that's not some flash in the pan thing either. Like he's been very solid, you know, sound whenever he's out there, you know, picked off Aaron Rodgers last year and throughout training camp, he's been the mainstay at safety. You know, everybody rotates around him. You know, he's never, he's never, he's never like nobody ever comes in to replace him. So, you know, I think like, you know, especially with Jalen Hurts' contract, you know, kicking in and they're just, they've got so many high priced players, like they need to find more Reed Blankenships, but like, he's the, he's officially like the template to me. Like, I think that any doubt that I may have had going into the training camp, because, you know, the draft pedigree sticks in the back of your head and, you know, got, you know, it's the, the Travis Fulgums of the world, you know, like sometimes yeah. you get guys who, you know, can just play really well for six to eight games, but I mean, he just, he's just legit, you know, he's just a really good player, um, opportunistic, uh, you know, so like he's again, he had three picks in two days. The first two were tip drills. You know, Zach Cunningham gets his hand on a pass. Reed Blankenship picks it off. Um, again, those are kind of right place, right time. The third one to me, like, I think he played it perfect, you know, and like, again, was it the best throw? I don't think so. Cause I'm like, I, if I, you know, novice, like a high school football player, like EJ Smith can be sitting in the stands and notice that it's middle field closed then maybe Deshaun Watson should like know that and not throw it to the middle of the field. But that said, like, you know, that was a big moment in practice. Like, you know, so again, like to backtrack here, this was the final team session. You know, usually both uh, both the, the Eagles offense and the Eagles defense are working on different fields uh, at the same time. And this is like a situational, everybody comes to one field, the, the whole team is watching, you know, they have real stakes, you know, they've, they've got a clock, they've got sticks, they've got refs, like, this is supposed to really simulate a game. Um, and, you know, again, you know, it's a, like, I don't remember exactly the down and distance, but, you know, it's it's in the red zone. Yeah. And uh, Reed Blankenship is, again, the middle safety and, a, you know, deep safety and uh, probably looks like cover three to me, um, you know, from where we're standing and picks him off to basically end practice for the, for the starters, at least. You know, that that's a big moment in, in practice. And again, like, these are the these are the biggest the biggest moments we're going to see these guys in until the regular season. So um, I think my other sweeping declaration is I think the Eagles have have their safeties. I think it's like you know I think that Terrell Edmonds might be the starter week one as Sidney Brown kind of learns the 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 balance of trying to knock people's heads off and trying to make you know make his uh you know make his presence be felt while also being like you know a modern day post safety who keeps things in front of him and doesn't. Uh, give up big plays. Um, I could see, you know, that being the case where, you know, Terrell Edmonds is kind of ahead of him to start. I could also see Sidney Brown starting week one with Terrell Edmonds being like this dime linebacker. We've seen a lot of that. So, yeah. but I think over the next five years, I think you're going to see Sidney Brown. I think you're going to see Reed Blankenship. I think Sidney Brown wow. will be like a fan favorite at times and a fan <laughs> most hated at times, like because of the way that he plays, you know, he's going to miss tackles. He's probably going to give up a big player too but it's going to come at the expense of like those Brian Dawkins-esque, like, you know, tabletop, you know, just completely lay somebody out type of play. Um, you know, I do. I think that they've got their safeties. I think like, you know, going into camp, the linebackers and the safeties both were a concern. Honestly, like I'm not saying they're going to get like, you know, all pro level play from anybody, but I think they have competent starters on the back end. I mean, I don't know where to begin. Brian Dawkins, next five <laughs> years. I mean, you're just call, you're coming in hot uh, all over the place. Uh, I had Blankenship as my next one too. Yeah, I just read Blankenship's going to be fine this year. I mean, yeah, like like Slay was saying afterwards that Blank, like they have the 
interceptions and practice chart up in the DB's room. And he's like, Blankenship is number one. He's like, I'm not too happy about that. I don't get the same action that he does. But yeah, he's doing a great job. Yeah, I think that was, I think Watson was trying to squeeze it like in the seam there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's exactly what it was. But yeah, when you're uh, middle of the field safety, take away posts and seams. Those are the, yep. you know, the, the old Seattle uh, cover three teams. Those are the two routes that the free safety has to be able to cover. And you're there in the red zone and he read it and he broke on it and he intercepted it. And um, to, to echo what you were saying, just so the listeners know, yeah, that's the, that's why we feel like the a large part, why we feel like the Eagles won this practice is because that last competitive period, it's, you know, Eagles, one offense versus Browns, one defense in the red zone. And then it's, you know, vice versa. There's basically four. The ones go against the ones, the twos go against the twos, and then you flip. And the Eagles score touchdowns on both of their possessions, and the Browns were intercepted on both of their possessions. I don't even know if we mentioned it. That was Deshaun Watson throwing the foot, like Reed Blankenship intercepted Deshaun yeah. Watson. This wasn't a backup or someone that he uh, intercepted. So Watson was trying to sque- squeeze one uh, in the seam, and he read it. He intercepted it, and everyone went nuts. And uh, to your point, it sounds like he's been doing that all camp based on what you said, best based on what Slay said. And he really had a good couple of days here. Yeah, I go, you know, I have my reservations about the Eagles defense. I think they're going to take a pretty uh, legit step back for a number of reasons that we'll talk about in a future episode. But like, I don't think that Reed Blankenship being bad is going to be like high on the list of why the defense takes a step back. I mean, I, I just liked what I saw from him on film as a rookie, you build on that uh, in your second year. It's not always linear. Sometimes guys take steps back, but uh, I, you just have to feel good kind of about what you've seen from him uh, this summer. I'm not there yet with you on Sidney Brown. I got to see him playing some games. <laughs> like he, he's got all those traits that will get everybody excited in a training and like the old red star player. And man, everybody was sold on Sidney Brown. And now he's saying he wants to be a feared player. And you gave the great anecdote. If it hits, it's going to hit big and he's going to be a fan favorite. <laughs> but like, Sometimes you just need to be able to cover a guy on third and five and not get exposed. You know, yeah. sometimes you need to uh, not miss a tackle. So I need to see that more in games before I say he's the long-term answer, just because of those base rates of guys drafted when he's drafted for those to even be starters for you for three years. It happens. It doesn't uh, always happen. So I need to see more of him. But uh, yeah, I guess if you're talking about like, how do you feel about the safeties now compared to what your questions might've been at the beginning of, of camp, like it could be a lot worse, you know, whether it's injuries or guys getting shuffled in and out because they're not doing their assignments or looking bad. And it hasn't been that. So I think that, uh, that absolutely is a good sign as well. All right. Let me see. What else do I have here? I kind of just have a question, EJ. It's yeah. like a bottom of the roster guy. Have you done a 53 man roster projection recently or no? I have or not. Do you not do those? I save okay. them. I save them. Yeah. You save them. Good. I like that. Yeah. You don't doing yeah. every week. Yeah. You got to go on the record at the end. I mean, that's not serving any purpose. Uh, so my question to you, if you've thought about it or when you do do it, what are Tyree Cleveland's chances of making this football team? I mean, he had, uh, again, it was the same, the same period we're talking about. So it was the Eagles twos, uh, on offense going up against the Browns twos on defense. And it was like the Eagles twos weren't really doing much. And I don't know if it was third or fourth down. It felt like it was a big play where it was their last chance. And Marcus Mariota unleashes one to the corner of the end zone, right where we're standing. And uh, Tyree Cleveland comes down with an excellent catch for the touchdown. It was probably, I thought the loudest cheer from the Eagles, like players and sideline all day long. I mean, everybody went nuts. Devontae. I love when the veterans are like, 
coming over and really celebrating for a guy like that who they don't even know if will be on the team in three yeah. weeks. Devontae Smith, um, A.J. Brown, Avante Maddox, all those guys were running over and were really excited. And Cleveland was really excited. Like, uh, I forget what reporter it was. They were, they were like, I thought he was going to like get up and throw the football. At me or <laughs> he was just so pumped, and we were literally standing uh, three feet from him. And then I think he caught the two-point try he did. Uh, right yeah. after that, right mm-hmm. on the other side of the field. We know he showed up in the preseason game, those back shoulders with Tanner McKee. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if a lot of our listeners know who Tyree Cleveland is. So give us a little, like, just run down what you've seen from him um, this summer. And is this one of those, hey, it's a nice training camp story, but he's probably not going to make the team? Or do you kind of see more uh, more upside than that? Yeah, so he's like, you know, he definitely has come on later. Because, like, Joseph Ngata was everybody's, like, crush uh, at wide receiver. Kind of the tall, you know, productive wide receiver in camp. And then Tyree Cleveland kind of, like, has overtaken him in the last couple of days, I would say. Um, I'm actually like, I'm a big proponent of like, if you play well in the preseason, it actually kind of hurts your chance of being on the Eagles because like a team might go, oh, you know, that guy, you know, it's kind of flash against the Ravens. Maybe we should snatch him up. Um, I don't know like with the, with these bottom of the roster receivers, like I, I just feel like they, the, the special teams value is so much higher than like how they look at receiver. So no doubt if you're asking me like, you know, the factors that are going to help him, like, I think the Eagles are going to carry, lo- like, maybe eight offensive linemen instead of 10. You know, usually you can just, you know, put write it down, like, they're going to have 10 guys. But this year, it's kind of thinner at the at the bottom there, and I think that they can get some guys on the practice squad and just have them as call-ups. So I think they'll be a little lighter at offensive line, which will help. But, you know, and not to go, completely go off, the, uh, go off track here, but, like, I think that there are at least six, maybe seven cornerbacks who they might try and sneak on. Um, but no, I mean, Cleveland, like Tyree Cleveland, like he definitely like had a couple moments today in practice. And again, the preseason game, like that's going to put them in a tough spot. Cause it's like, they can't just sneak him on the practice squad now. So I still kind of don't, I don't see it necessarily as far as like him on the, uh, on the 53. But, um, again, if he, if he keeps like balling out in the preseason, they might, they might have to be like, uh, could you, uh, maybe, uh, sit with the starters for, for, for the, for the third game and maybe kind of chill a little bit. Cause you know, you might be costing yourself a, a spot on our practice squad here. Yeah, yeah. Cleveland was a seventh-round pick in 2020, was with the Broncos. Looks like he got in, uh, was active for 10 games as a rookie, then seven, then six, only has eight career receptions for 91 yards. So definitely one of those fringe uh, fringe roster guys. You're right. I mean, it might take if there's an injury or something, but you yeah. never know. I do think we often overrate the chances of a guy getting like snatched up, you know, cause you're watching them yeah. all, all the time. And like, there's probably a guy like Tyree Cleveland that, you know, every uh, on all 32 teams where reporters or fans are going, Hey, this guy's looked pretty good. I wonder if he'll make the team. And then uh, at the end of it, it's like, no, okay. Yeah. You can get him uh, on the practice squad, but certainly yeah. if we're looking ahead to like the uh, preseason game on Thursday night, or even kind of what the next week or two looks like uh, he's become uh, a sort of an intriguing guy to watch it's always fun to have like the one bottom of the roster wide receiverish <laughs> type guy who you're like yeah. don't know anything about at the start of camp and then uh they're making plays so i think uh, he certainly fits the mold there all right do you have any more takeaways for us what do you got um so i i definitely i want to get to to one that i kind of alluded to earlier about how both of these teams are like uh, built from the inside out. And like, listen, that's not a secret with the Eagles, but I do think that an interesting commentary on the Eagles defense is like, as 
as definitive as the the advantage was toward the end of practice, like they started the session so bad in seven on sevens. And it's like, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, man, like they can, like the ball didn't hit the ground in the first seven on seven session, you know, like the, the, the Browns offense against the Eagles defense, like, you know, Deshaun Watson looks great. You know, all the, all the receivers are making contested catches and, you know, it's even like, it's almost like, oh, well, you can't even really fault anybody. It's just like they just are getting whatever they want. Uh, you know, it's like zone coverage, and they're just perfect against it. Um, and then the Eagles defensive line comes in, and all of a sudden the whole practice just changes. And it's like, you know, I think it just does speak to, like, how this Eagles defense is constructed. Like, you know, it's just like they need that defensive line to be impactful, you know. And, I, again, like Josh Wett has had a couple of really nice practices. Um, Jalen Carter – had a reverse pancake on Joel Batonio today. I uh, heard about this. Tell me about this. I didn't because so I didn't see this. There was disagreement in the media house about whether Batonio must have gotten his feet tangled up. And with respect mm-hmm. to him and what he's done in the league, I guess I will err on the side that I was not on earlier. Because to me, it just looked like Jalen Carter just, you know, just drove him back and knocked him off, knocked him on the ground. I'm shocked. Um, You're a former offensive lineman, right? <laughs> yeah, but I got to um, give it to Batonio here. He's he's a good okay. enough player to believe that he did not just get pantsed by Jalen Carter in practice. Yeah. So maybe he got <laughs> tangled up. There was a flag on the play that we couldn't figure out what it was. You know, usually the refs will like show you what it is, but um, nobody caught it. But yeah, definitely like the thing. Here's my like my read on Jalen Carter, like. You know, he had a couple, he had a, uh, maybe a week of quiet practices where it's like, eh, you know, Nolan Smith is flashing more. You know, I'm, again, I, I, we've talked about it before, but like I went into camp like skeptical of Nolan Smith, you know, the build. And, I, you know, like I knew he, I, was, I kept saying like he's supposed to look good without the pads on. But then he started looking better with the pads on. And then he started making plays from the four eye technique with the pads on. It's like, all right, this guy's legit. Um, and, you know, like I remember I had a couple conversations with some, of the other beat reporters, like about like who's going to have more of an impact, Nolan Smith or Jalen Carter in their rookie season. And it was like a legitimate conversation based off of what happened during camp. But then you see Jalen Carter in the preseason game and then you see him in the joint practices. And he was one of the guys that was in like the, the scrum when Sidney Brown got into, got, you know, swarmed by Cleveland Browns players. And you could see, he kind of like had a little bit of an edge from there. So I think he's just, and I, again, like talking to people from, you know, who had known him from high school and college, you get the read that like when he wants to make a play, nobody's going to stop him from making a play. And I think like that's going to be the read with him is like in games, like he turns it on and he's a force during practice. He's going to pick it. He's going to kind of pick and choose his spots. You know, like the coaching staff has said he's worked hard. You know, they said that you know he doesn't. And I'm not. I'm not saying he take takes plays off, but it's like there's another level that he gets to every once in a while. And I think that's what you saw against Petonio, even if he got his feet tangled up, like to do that to, you know, one of the best guards in the NFL, it's like, come on, like that's, that's pretty impressive stuff. So um, yeah, kind of backtracking to my, my overall point, like, you know, I think there are going to be games this year where the Eagles uh, defensive front isn't really impacting the passer. And I think the group of players that they have on the back end, as you know, bullish as I may be on Reed Blankenship, uh, as good as the cornerbacks are, like, they really do need that front to, to kind of, you know, set the table for them. Um, and again, like that's how the Browns are too. When the Browns uh, defensive line was wrecking practice, it looked great. And then all of a sudden, because I mean, you watch the offense, so you can tell me, but I feel like the Eagles offense looked better in seven on seven as well. Like, because the start of practice, it was in my notes. I'm like, man, like this is just completion after completion. But the second that the Eagles defensive line shows up, it's like, okay, now this practice looks completely different. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right about the way the teams are built, and especially when you see what the Browns did this offseason. It was yeah. like, we need to get Miles Garrett some help. They brought in Dalvin Tomlinson, who is like, he's like the offensive lineman, defensive lineman, like Kelsey was talking about him <laughs> afterwards. And I feel like he's just somebody who, you know, there are certain players where offensive line will be like, no, you don't realize how good this guy is. DJ Reader on the Bengals. I remember when he was like on the Texans, that was the guy who offensive line would be like, no, you guys need to start talking more about this guy. Like <laughs> we do not like going up against him. Yeah, Dalvin Tomlinson's kind of like that. The Darius Smith, I mean, a few years ago, was like a defensive player of the year candidate. He had a big bounce back year uh, last season. So that's how the Browns are built uh, as well. Now I think they have pretty good corners too, which is why I think their, their defense is going to be uh, pretty good this year. But yeah, you're right about that. And I think these are two of, I would say the five best offensive lines, uh, in the NFL. Shout out to Michael Dunn looking good out there uh, at right guard filling in. Yeah, I saw the, you rubbing uh, shoulders with Michael Dunn today. That's yeah. uh, that's good work by you. I, I had to say I had to say hello to uh, Michael Dunn. Who and listen, Michael Dunn should be starting on a uh, you know they don't need to say it. I can say it. Teams are gonna regret. No, we saw what he did in the playoffs. He should be starting on one of these teams that needs offensive line help. But yeah, they've got guys like him as depth pieces when they have two guards who basically uh, never miss a game. And so. Um, both offensive lines are good. Both defensive lines are good. And so it, it was definitely a good kind of back and forth year. I'm with you. Like I was trying to think about the Eagles defensive line and really their defense as a whole. Let me ask you this question. How many players on the Eagles defense do you feel like really good about are going to give you above average play like for their position this year? So I was thinking about this and I was like, Hassan Reddick, I feel good about. Josh Sweat, uh, I feel good about. And then, like, one of the corners, I would say. Like, if one of the corners kind of comes back down to earth and is has some decline in performance, that wouldn't shock me. I would think the odds are at least one of them gives you above-average corner play. After that, I was kind of like, you know, like, Fletcher yeah. Cox had a good year last year. Is he going to be above-average this year? I don't know. Uh, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, they're rookies. What can you really expect? linebacker I don't think anyone's expecting above average play safety you know as much as we like Reed Blankenship we were kind of like he gave you know he could but you're not going into the season thinking he's going to so I was kind of like from a personnel standpoint like you know that that just made me kind of reset and be like oh you know maybe they're going to take a bigger step back and then I thought what do you think am I missing uh any guys is that how you kind of see it yeah I mostly agree with you I think that like Jordan Davis if you're just like talking about average nose tackle play, I think he'll give you that. Um, now, if you're talking like three tech, you know, pass rusher, I mean, I really am. I'm one of these, I'm one of the people who like thinks it's going to take him more than just this year to like really figure yes, out how to become a, an impactful pass rusher. Um, so Jordan Davis, maybe a half, <laughs> like four and a half. Uh, yeah. But I mean, the linebacker point is really a good one because like, you know, if I'm thinking back to like the big questions I had, you know, going into training camp, like the biggest one that still lingers is a linebacker position. Like it is mm -hmm. not like not only have like they had to bring guys in and like now those guys kind of, you know, flirted with the first team. And now it's kind of back to N'Kobe Dean and Nicholas Morrow. And like, I'm not convinced that like, especially like against like the Kyle Shanahan's of the world. I know there's only one of those guys, but you know, like these coaches that kind of have that DNA, like where it's like, let's put this linebacker under our microscope and let's just yeah. redirect them and, you know, basically make his life miserable for 60 minutes. You know, I'm not convinced that the Eagles are, have an answer for that yet. You know, like, um, 
And that's going to be that, – that will come up at some point this year. You know, they're going to have to – like whether it's just a regular season game against the 49ers or if they play the 49ers in the playoffs, like that's the one matchup with their linebackers. And I'm still just like, it's just a question that has not been answered. You know, it's kind of like been a boring training camp because there's a lot of, you know, good feelings about the team and there's not a lot that needs to be sussed out. But like, that is one area that like, you like, if you told me right now, like the season is going to come down to like Nicholas Morrow and Nicobe Dean, like, withstanding a Kyle Shanahan offense like I like uh, like you better hope that Hassan Reddick wrecks the game like you did last year because like you know otherwise you're going to be in trouble so um no it's it's a good point like uh I'm with you like I think you probably get solid play out of one of the three starting quarterback spots at least that you can count on um you know because Avante Maddox has just been so hurt you know even during camp like he's had moments where you can tell he's kind of still coming back from this uh, this toe injury um and then, like, you know, and that's one thing I wanted to get to is uh, James Bradbury in the slot. But we can get to that later. Yeah, um, how about that? No, let's get to it. Yeah, okay. that, yeah. that's so, interesting. Tell me about to it. To me, so, yeah, it's been, like, apparent, like, that during seven-on-sevens, and mostly with the second team, James Bradbury has been kind of getting some reps in the slot. And I think, like, you know, this is a, a dead giveaway to me that, like, against teams with good tight ends, you know, like the Travis Kelseys, the George Kittles of the world – I think you're going to see James Bradbury lined up in the slot. Um, you know, even like Darren Waller, like these, especially these receiving tight ends who kind of line up, you know, wherever. I think you're going to see James Bradbury kind of be that like tight end. I don't want to call him a tight end eraser because like that suggests that he's really good at it. But I think that's the job they're going to give him. You know, I think it makes sense. You know, it's like you, when you have these like receiver type tight ends, you know, these guys who were real threats in the past game, put your most physical cornerback on them. And, you know, figure out the rest. They've got enough depth. You know, I think that Josh Job has played well enough on the outside to suggest that he can hold up. We should have get to Josh Job had an interception at the end of practice as well. Yeah. Um, against the twos. And like he's looked, you know, rock solid. He just kind of looks like a, a, a fine backup cornerback. You know, like um, there are definitely some Eagles teams that he would start on, <laughs> you know, in the in the past. Like there have definitely been some teams that would. Be like, oh, Josh Job, yeah, he's he's good enough to to be a you know our starting corner, our our second starting corner. Um, so you know, I think that there are going to be moments where like you will see Bradbury lined up in the slot over tight ends, kind of you know specialized game plans, and I think it's interesting. You know, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, it's it's been weird that it's all almost been exclusively with the second team. I think you know I haven't seen a ton of first team snaps with it. I think there have been some, but not as many. But yeah, he's kind of pulling double duty, and even Avante Maddox said like that Bradbury's kind of asking him for tips on, you know, how to kind of operate out of that alignment. So it's definitely a new wrinkle. Like it's, it's not something we've seen much of, but again, I think that you will see it against, you know, probably tight ends is my guess. That's uh, I mean, listen, this is why we have you on. Cause I, I'm, I'm <laughs> listening to these questions to Avante Maddox about, you know, James Bradbury in the slot. And I'm going, wait, I wasn't watching the defense. Why is James Bradbury <laughs> in the slot? And I was like, because they have Zach McPherson, right, who's been their kind of backup slot to it. Because you do need a good backup slot with, like you mentioned, Avante Maddox has had some injury issues. But that yeah. makes perfect sense. I mean, like you you stopped short of calling him a tight end eraser? Man, <laughs> I think he could be really, really good in that yeah. role. Like, like James Bradbury is one of their smartest players 
full yeah. stop. I th- I mean, you, you either you talk to him or you, if you don't talk to him and just watch the film, you would think that. If you don't watch the film and just talk to him, you would think oh, that. Yeah. You put them mm-hmm. together like, uh, you know, I always refer to that interception he had against the Jaguars. It was just like a, ter- just a, uh, a terrific play that saves you in a big spot. And you just saw that from him. All season long. That that's really interesting because yeah, you would think, you know, I keep giving out the stat about outside corners and they turn thirty and sometimes they fall off a cliff. Well, uh, you know, Bradbury could have different roles for you um in terms of doing that. And you're right, Darren Waller, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. I mean, they they that's four uh games right there against uh against pretty yeah. good tight ends that you have uh this season. So that that makes all the sense in the world. Cause yeah, if it's James Bradbury gets the shifty slot receiver like that. Does, I don't think that's his strength. I mean, he's right. you know that that's not really uh, what you want him to do. But if it's, it gets the tight end, like he's a physical player, he's big, he's smart, he knows how to use leverage, he'll know where his help is, uh, all those things. So that is one thing that gets me excited about the defense. You know, I mentioned before some of the stuff that makes me nervous, but it does feel like they're willing to try different things. That they're going to have oh, yeah. more. Uh, more tools in the toolbox as, as they say, Hey, it's this week against this opponent. What are we going to do? How are we going to play them? We're not just going to play how we played last week. We need to switch it up a little bit. And that stuff's really valuable. Like it could be only on third down and red zone, but you know right. what? Like those are big plays that swing yeah. games. And to Absolutely. your point earlier, they're not going to have the same blowouts this year that they had last year. They face a, a lot better schedule than they faced last year. So I, I, I'm so glad that you brought that up. I think that's like a big story and a fun story and something uh, to keep an eye on. And then, you know, Josh Job was actually one of my last ones. Yeah. That same yeah. period that we keep coming back to the Eagles. First interception was Blankenship. The second interception, awesome interse- interception. Josh Job against, I think, the rookie, right? Cedric Tillman, uh, yeah. I believe mm-hmm. it was. Right. Uh, again, same corner of our end zone, leaping interception, brings it down. The whole sideline uh, goes absolutely nuts. It caps off the, this period where they score two touchdowns and they get two takeaways uh, on defense and really ended uh, ended the day there. So I just have the, a feeling that Josh Job is going to have to like play a role at some point. Yeah. for this team. I mean, the odds are really in that favor when you look at injuries and it could just be flexibility. I mean, like you, you mentioned, mm-hmm. if Bradbury and Slayer are healthy, it could be, hey, this week we face this tight end. We're going to need Bradbury playing against him. Jove, you're going to get some reps there uh, on the outside. And so you're at, you're not looking for all pro play. You're asking for competent play. Like you mentioned, some of those former yeah. Eagles teams, sometimes that's uh, all you need out there. So he he's definitely feels like right the number one backup outside corner, right? Yeah, he's kind of overtaken Zach McPherson there. McPherson's been in the slot a lot. So, like, you know, and I think Job like, just looks like an outside corner. He's got these long arms. And, you know, I think that the Eagles, like, kind of spam, like, things that just kind of make sense or have worked. Uh, like, Alabama corners, even if they aren't, even if they weren't good, even if they are, you know, not draft, like, even if they don't, like, get drafted. It's like, eh, let's take a flyer on that guy. You know, like, Eli Ricks yeah. and... Uh, Josh Job, like, you know, Nick Saban knows what he's doing when he's picking these DBs. Like, you know, you might as well just get him in and see, uh, see if you can turn him into something. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Do we have any other takeaways here uh, that we missed? EJ, let me see. Was there anything else? Hassan Reddick has a thumb injury. Is that right? He wasn't. Yeah. Like the indication is that like, it's not serious and that he's not going to miss time during the regular season, but that does kind of say that he's going to miss some time during training camp. So um, yeah, I saw him in street clothes out there. Uh, didn't seem, you know, it didn't seem like to be despondent or anything. I would say, like, you know, yeah. he, he seemed to be kind of just chatting with his teammates. But 
but yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on, um, you know, going into the, going into the regular season to see if that kind of lingers. Okay. Uh, I'm looking at my notes. Oh, Landon Dickerson left practice mm-hmm. yesterday. Sua Opeta and Josh Sills both rotated uh, yeah. in for him. I don't know if we know about if that's a serious injury or not, or if they said anything. No, nah, yeah, I, we didn't hear it much about that, but it was interesting that Josh Sills is like already kind of in the mix for this like first yeah. guard. I mean, like I think it speaks to Dennis Kelly has really struggled at guard, like um, you know more than I thought, more than I think we all kind of expected. Um, and Tyler Steen just looks better at tackle than he does at guard at this point. You know, he's, he like is definitely comfortable at left tackle. And honestly, like with Dennis Kelly kind of struggling, like he might be your first tackle off the bench. So, um, you know, it's kind of sneaky, like with Cam Jurgens like moving over, it's like their interior depth isn't quite what it usually is, but, um, I mean, it could also just be that they were bullish on sales, you know, last year and that they like, you know, at least like the, the, the physical profile that he has. So, uh, but I definitely found that interesting. You know, I kind of figured Opeta would just be the guy there. But, uh, yeah, they were working both of them in. There you go. All right. I'm looking at my notes. Did I miss anything? Yeah, me too. Were, um, was there anything big in your notes that we needed? Miles Garrett Miles Garrett was just running, like, sprints on the uh, <laughs> on the field there. He wasn't practicing. And I'm just like, how am I the same, like, species uh, as this guy? What a, what a specimen that guy It's unbelievable. Guy he doesn't – I mean, like, there are a couple of players, like, you know, Jordan Mailata also kind of doesn't look like, you know, he's yeah. a human. But uh, Miles Garrett in a different way, just like, yeah, he looks like he was built in a lab to play football. He's like Captain America. Like, he was, like, yeah. <laughs> literally, like – you know, some mad scientist was like, I want to build the best edge rusher of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think um, he's, uh, he's got a shot to win defensive player of the year. Uh, agreed. Year. I'm going through my preseason award <laughs> picks, but I definitely kind of have him penciled in uh, for that. All right. You, you were yeah. looking at your notes. Did you see? Uh, Nolan like Smith uh, got some off ball linebacker snaps in seven on seven. I mean, like he's an under, he's like a, I, an underneath zone coverage kind of guy in those and nothing really happens. Uh, but I do think that it's like important that he's, he looks comfortable doing it. You know, some edge rushers, you see him do it. And it's like, like Josh sweat, when he has to drop, it's like ugly. It's like, this guy does not want to do this. We'll tell you it's ugly when he does it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, Nolan at least looks kind of natural doing it. And like, you know, I, I, he got asked about it like last week and kind of just said like, you know, I don't want to do it. It's not something I enjoy doing, but at the same time, like it's important for the defense and I'll do whatever they need me to. And like, I just like, he's got good perspective on like the different positions he plays. He's like, you know, when I'm on the edge, like against the run, I, he calls it headbang. Like, you know, basically I got to be really physical with tight end, (laughs) but like when I'm inside, like at the four eye and like, I've got 600 pounds coming at me, like I can't headbang with those guys. Like I got to use my speed. So you know, he definitely like seems well adjusted to this like you know multi positional life, and um, yeah, like in seven on sevens, it's again, it's not like he's making crazy plays or jumping routes, but he kind of is just where he needs to be. Um, but I do think it's interesting that they're giving him so many reps at it uh, in seven on seven. It's a theme we've kind of uh, been talking about uh, on the podcast, which is just like Desai seems more willing to try different. Now it's only training camp. These guys might not play in these well, you know, we might be in week eight and I'm like, EJ, you told me, you know, they're getting torched by these tight ends. You told me Bradbury was going to be the tight end eraser. They haven't tried in there. So you don't know, but they're trying it now. Terrell Edmonds as a dime linebacker, uh, Nolan Smith in three different spots. 
uh, James Bradbury in the slot. And so uh, I just kind of like that. Like, yeah, try stuff out. See how guys sure. look. You're not married to it. You don't have to do it. But um, I think it's uh, I think it's a good idea and kind of an encouraging sign and makes you more flexible, which is the name of the game with defense in 2023. All right, EJ, another fantastic appearance by you. Tell the people where they where they can find the work, what you got coming up, uh, all that stuff. Um, yeah, I'm at EJ Smith 94 on Twitter. Um, I've got some, some stuff cooking. I can't, I can't reveal what's cooking, but yeah, the next month, the next month will be a good one. You know, (laughs) it's always exciting getting these like preview stories up and, um, you know, just, uh, covering camp is fun. So, you know, there'll be some, some stuff coming for me. So yeah, just, uh, if you want to find my work, it's at inquire.com backslash whatever sports Eagles, you know, my wife always tells me, I keep saying backslash and she's like, it's not actually a backslash. It's just a slash um so slash sports slash eagles whatever uh but yeah just find my work on twitter uh or whatever we call it these days and yeah like i said i always appreciate you having me on i love it thank you ej definitely check out uh his work there at the inquire also he's giving you practice observations every day he's out there i just you know can pop in and out <laughs> sweat a little bit go this is it for me ej's out there uh every day so i'm following him even today before he came on i'm like oh ej saw some stuff i didn't even see today a uh, good thing we were on different fields. So check him out there. That's going to do it uh, for me. Thank you to Jamie McClellan, pinch yeah. producing. Appreciate him for Cliff Augustine. We'll be back Thursday night. Solak will join me uh, after the preseason game against the Browns. He'll have some unhinged takes as usual. <laughs> so we'll watch that game and do another post-game pod there. All right. Thanks to EJ. Thanks to Jamie. I'm Shiel Kapati. Appreciate everyone listening. And we will talk to you soon on the Ringers Philly Special. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit KS Gambling Help com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.